2: Welcome to Checking In with Michelle Williams, a production of iHeartRadio and The Black Effect. Hey, y'all. How y'all doing today? thank y'all so much for checking in. I have a truly, truly special guest who is so open with sharing her journey as it relates to a very rare cancer diagnosis. She just continues to bring awareness to us and within the hip hop and music culture. So stay tuned for this next episode of Checking In with Michelle Williams. Y'all welcome to another week, another episode of Checking In. I'm just really, really, really happy that I get to check in with y'all weekly and that you guys give me y'all's time by uh, tuning in and subscribing. But this week I'm really, really intrigued curious, and I'm excited about our next guest. She is an author and cancer advocate, bringing cancer awareness to the community after her own personal experience with cancer. And she continues to bring cancer awareness to our community, especially within the hip hop and music culture. Please welcome Pasha Cheney.
3: Thank you, Michelle, for that awesome, awesome introduction. Thank you for having me on your podcast. I'm just really honored and humbled. Thank you. Yeah.
2: Yes, y'all, before we officially started recording, she was like, girl, I met you at Greenbrier Mall and that's here in Atlanta. And so I'm just like, wow, wow, wow. That's been a long time. Yes. So I'm glad that we had that connection those years ago, but now we have this connection today. And I wanna share something with my audience that cancer is the fourth leading cause of death behind accidents, suicide, and homicide in individuals between the ages of 20 to 39. Now, Pasha, after your own cancer experience, you learned that some individuals don't show the early signs or the symptoms of cancer. Or if we do, we feel like it's just something normal and that will pass, or we'll Google something, and it's the worst thing that could possibly happen. So can you share with us, I guess, just your journey and background, and then we'll get into those signs and symptoms.
3: Of course, of course. So not only am I an author after my cancer diagnosis in 2020, I'm also a recording artist, so I do hip-hop music. And I was right in the middle of doing music and recording and all of those things. And I remember the latter part of 2019, I started to have these really allergy-like symptoms. So I didn't think much of it, again, because I'm here in Arizona. There's a lot of dust. I get runny eyes and a sniffly nose. So I didn't think much of it. You know, I was taking over-the-counter allergy meds. And then my throat started to get a little sore and, you know, the drainage started going down my throat. My mom kept saying, you know, you don't sound so great. You know, it's been a while Mm -hmm. since you've had these allergy symptoms. You know, I think you should go and get it checked. And I said, "Ah, I think it's just something minor. So I didn't think much of it, but eventually those symptoms turned into one of my eyes bulging. And so that's how I knew something was definitely wrong. And at first I was looking it up myself. I'm like, maybe it's my thyroid. Maybe it's this, it's that. Because, you know, a lot of diseases or other things have crossover symptoms. So you could read something and then you think, oh, well, is this or it's that, you know, trying to diagnose yourself.
2: Well, when you even said the eye bulging. Right that is a thyroid
3: and some people do have that from thyroid disease so Mm -hmm. I just thought, okay, my doctor will probably put me on some thyroid medication, no big deal. But once I actually went to my optometrist, I asked him to send me to an ophthalmologist, a specialist, and that's when they did the MRI and noticed the tumor in my nasal cavity. It was in the back of my eye orbit. So it was pretty Mm -hmm. large and it was aggressive. So I'm talking about in a matter of several months, the doctor's predicted that it would have grew into that size and been that detrimental.
2: Wow. You know, I had actress Yolanda Ross on my podcast and we were just talking about how people go into their doctor's appointments. But I like how you said you went to see your optometrist. Then you said, hey, I want to go see an ophthalmologist. Mm -hmm. Yolanda and I were talking about how some women, period, We just don't even go in and make those types of requests because the environment does not make you feel that you can even ask those types of questions. Mm -hmm. What made you just even say, hey, I, I wanna go see an ophthalmologist?
3: Well, I I kept saying if something is wrong with my eye, I need to go to more than just a general practitioner, which is, you know, your basic optometrist. I said, I need someone to actually do a scan and look inside of my eye and see what's going on. And so that's when the MRI discovered the tumor. And thank God for the Mayo Clinic here in Phoenix. They saved my life because my first Mm -hmm. operation was 22 hours long. And they put a metal flap right before my brain because the the cancer almost reached my brain. And they told me if it would have reached my brain, it would have been nothing that they would have been able to do. So it just threw me back. It was totally unexpected. And this all happened in a matter of a few months from me having allergy like symptoms to me finding out I had cancer and then having major surgery and additional surgeries.
2: Oh, yeah. Like you said, I mean, what started out being allergy-like symptoms, watery eyes, runny nose. And you even mentioned drainage, which we know to be what is it called? Post nasal drainage. Yeah, post-nasal. You feel like I'ma just take some mucinex and get it going. And then you found out that you had a particular cancer diagnosis. But even at that time, you were a single mother. Yes. In your 30s. Yes. When you were diagnosed and you had some incredible difficulty with the removal. Of the tumor, I believe.
3: Yeah, I did. I didn't think that the surgery would be so intrusive and so invasive, but it was. And it took me a while to recover. I had to go to rehab. I was in rehab for quite some time. I had to gain my strength back. When you have cancer in the head or neck, you have to do a lot of therapy. And so that was the challenge and the struggle for me. I had my daughter, you know, I'm single. I'm trying to navigate that. I'm trying to navigate, you know, working in my creative space. I'm trying to do all these different things. But thank God my faith and character was strong because without that, I wouldn't have been able to make it through. I wouldn't have been able to have the will and the strength. To go through that entire process. And it's extremely important for young people. You know, I had squamous cell carcinoma, which is a form of skin cancer, but what's particularly different with this type of squamous cell that I had, it was in the nasal cavity. And nasal cavity cancer is extremely rare. Maybe only 2,000 people in the United States get that a year out of all the people that get cancer. So it was very rare, very aggressive. And so what I want Younger people, especially in our community, to know is that it doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter how you look or what you think your status is. If you don't feel right, if something feels wrong, go and see the doctor.
2: Go and see the doctor. And please don't be afraid to ask questions because, like I said, I was telling you about talking with Yolanda Ross. Sometimes Mm -hmm. when you go to the doctor, they're just rushing you in and out. Mm -hmm. And it's not necessarily their fault, but it's like... Even though you feel like they're rushing you, be like, uh, you gonna take these 60 extra seconds and I need to ask you and talk to you. So that's why I was very courageous of you to even, first of all, even have the knowledge to be like, listen, this is gonna be beyond the general practitioner. Mm-hmm. And for you to say, hey, I'm gonna also need to see an ophthalmologist. You also figured out about the disparities in the healthcare system. Mm-hmm. Was it just as it related to you as a woman? or was it compounded with being a black woman or someone with health insurance coverage, no health insurance coverage, getting the help that they needed? That was one of your discoveries.
3: Of course, there are a lot of disparities, especially when it comes to cancer treatment. So I remember before mm-hmm. I went to the Mayo Clinic here in Phoenix, and they're superb, you know, they specialize in, in diseases and cancer treatment. But I went to a different doctor before I landed at the Mayo doctor. That doctor wanted to just cut on my face. He didn't care about how I would look after the surgery. Mm-hmm. He treated me like a number. I, I didn't feel comfortable with him opt- operating on me. And so that was one thing. And then I had proton radiation. So I had chemo and radiation after surgery. So proton therapy is a little more specific. It targets right on the tumor instead of all the areas around. And because my tumor was close to my brain, they did not want me to have damage to my brain and Mm. that type of area. That's a very sensitive area. I was denied at first. For proton, Yes, I was denied through my insurance. And so my doctors had to get together. And you know, they had to file an appeal. And they said, No, she's young. She's a mom. We want to keep her alive and do everything yes. possible, you know, so people fight through that. They fight through deniers through insurance. They fight through denial, you know, being a minority and, you know, people not caring. And so it's very important to get with the doctor or team of doctors that really care. They don't rush you. They take the time. They give you the pros and the cons and all of that.
2: Faith is your foundation, but was there any point where you were like, why me?
3: Oh, of course. Of course. I think when you first get diagnosed with cancer, that's one of your first questions. Why me? Why did this happen? God, why did this happen? Why am I in this situation? Why me? Why now? I had those questions and then I did the work, honestly, because I I knew that this was a big burden for me to carry so I made sure I went through therapy talk therapy I had some feelings about cancer and then of course the second biggest thing and for most people is right along with why me am I going to die you know what's going to happen to my child and all of these different questions you have about life. And so I tried to be very proactive and get all the support around me that I needed, my family, therapy, everything that I could to keep me going and keep me uplifted. And of course, I kept that spiritual aspect too yes. of just, you know, praying and, and really holding on to, to God at that time.
2: And this happened in 2020,
3: 2020, I was diagnosed. So I'm two years in remission. Thank God I've come a long way.
2: (laughs) Yes. Yes. Y'all she's got a book called living in remission, a survivor story. You share that cancer remission is so complex and takes years of recovery. So you are in year two since your diagnosis. I'm glad that you're checking in with us because the podcast, the foundation is mental health. With the cancer diagnosis, I can imagine anxiety, maybe some depression, Mm -hmm. and maybe it being a result of the chemo, the radiation. It all just takes such a big toll on your body. And I'm just glad that you say that you have the family help, the support, did you find yourself having to be the support for other people fighting cancer if they didn't have the same support that you did?
3: I did. You know, when it comes to my books and I want to show, I, so I actually good. wrote two books. Two, Yep. So yeah, yep. And I was going to
2: get to Through the Scars. Through yep. the
3: Scars and yeah. then Living in Remission, A Survivor Story. So I think for me, when I wrote my first book, I wrote it during radiation and chemo. It was important for me to relate to other people going through cancer because I couldn't find no one in my age group that had went through this. So I needed an outlet. I needed to share my story and I needed to link with other people who had went through similar things, you know, with cancer. And so that was very therapeutic for me. And I wanted people to understand what goes through the mind of a person when they're first diagnosed with cancer. Now with living in remission, I needed people to understand you don't just bounce back from cancer. Physically, mentally, emotionally, every day you're working, Mm. you work in progress. You have to accept your body. Some people lose limbs. Some people lose organs. So you have to accept the physical changes of your body. You have to accept the emotional changes that come with it. All of those things. And you're right. The anxiety, the depression, it all comes. And it's like, how do you manage that? How do you handle that? So you have to have some solutions and some things in place in order to combat those negative feelings and emotions to keep going.
2: What is your advice for loved ones or caregivers having to care for someone with cancer?
3: I would say just be patient and be understanding. The person going through the situation, they just need love and support and say to them, I'm here for you, whatever you need. You know, you don't have to give a long drawn out speech, but I think Um, it comes to the action. It comes down to the action. People who are going through this type of situation and trauma, they want to know that you'll be there, that you won't judge them, that they won't hear negative words or things that may discourage them. Because sometimes, you know, out of ignorance, some people, you know, don't know what to say. You know, so if you don't know what to say, just say, I'm here for you. Whatever you need, I'm here for you, you know, but I think it's important to just be supportive and show that through your actions.
2: What was maybe one of the most side eye or as they say, cringeworthy (laughs) things someone has possibly said to you during this time?
3: Oh, (laughs) someone was like, girl, you didn't lose no weight when you had cancer, because people think when you have cancer, you have chemo. That you'll lose weight. I didn't lose weight. I gained a little bit and then I stayed at that weight. And I thought that was extremely rude, you know. And then, of course, after my surgery with my eye, and people were like, What happened to your eye? And what happened with this? And what happened with that? And it was so intrusive. It wasn't compassionate. Sometimes the things what people would say. So I was very particular about just talking to my immediate circle and family and close friends when I was going through and then they knew everything. But as I started to get better and, you know, make progress, then I was able to open up more. But I share so much in my book. I mean, I really put it out there. I I can't be any more honest than what I was in my book. So, you know, I want people to check it out. Even if you're not, if you've never been diagnosed with cancer, if you know someone, or if you just want to know what it's like, how to recognize symptoms, it's a good tool to have.
2: That's so good. And then the support of your child. How old was your child?
3: Was she your was child? seven and it, oh. it was, oh my gosh, she didn't understand. She kept asking my mom, is my mom going to be okay? You know, she was worried. She was there. She waited some time there at the hospital when I had my first surgery, my 22 hour yeah. surgery. You know, she was scared of the way I looked and and how things were with the effects of my initial surgery, because I I looked different. You know, I wasn't the person that she was used to. So she had to get over that and deal with that and also be concerned and scared, just worried about me and if I was going to make it, if I was going to survive. So that was a lot on her shoulders, being a seven-year-old, just seeing me go through these different stages.
2: Yeah, yeah. Especially when you're so young, you want to do everything you can to help, you know, be helpful. And she's probably not knowing you were probably weak at the moment. My mother had breast cancer. So we know the thing with radiation, the weakness, the irritation, just your body. Yeah, Mm -hmm. the nausea. Your body is just. People even explain your body just feels like it's heat. Mm -hmm. There's so much, you know, going on. And Pasha, you are here showing us how
1: strong you are. State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future
2: Did you have guilt because of being in remission and surviving what someone else probably didn't?
3: Yeah, it's it's survivor's guilt. A lot of people experience that after they go into remission because people that you've seen along your journey that you've talked to and people that I've connected with, some of those people didn't make it in my support groups. You know, some of those Mm -hmm. people online who I connected with. They lost their battle to cancer, and I found myself asking God, well, I made it and they didn't make it, and then I felt bad, and I'm like, I just felt the weight, you know, of their family and how they probably were in pain and mourning. So Mm -hmm. I think when you are connected to other people through experience like this, you feel you have that empathy and sympathy, you know, for their family, especially if, you know, they didn't make it out of the experience. So, yeah, there there is a guilt that comes there. And that's something that you also have to work through as well and figure out, well, how can I be a help now to those who have survived, who are still here? You know, how can I share my story?
2: Mm -hmm. And you are sharing your story. Y'all in 2020, she released through the scars rising from cancer. That was in 2020. But Living in Remission, A Survivor's Story, is the follow-up to the book that she released in 2020. And we are thankful for you. We're thankful for your strength, courage, and bravery to tell your, your story. Some people, it's their call, which I believe it's yours. Like, I want my mom to talk about her story. Mm -hmm. But even years later, she's not ready to scream it from the mountaintop, even though I just kind of screamed it for her. Mm -hmm. But every now and then she knows that I share pieces of her story. You are in Phoenix, which I love Phoenix. i (laughs) just absolutely. And I know it's hot. It's hot. It's beautiful, but it's hot. It is hot out (laughs) there. Have you been able to travel or is it just best that you just not travel at the moment to share your story? What does it look like? What would you like to do?
3: Of course, when I was diagnosed, the pandemic was going on. So that was a whole challenge within itself. And then I just wanted to stay safe yep. for a period of time. I travel for very important things and I make sure you know I'm available for those type of things. I just try to be safe. I try to be cautious. I try to keep my immune system up and healthy as possible. But I had a period where I didn't travel. So now I'm thanking God and I'm thankful that I'm able to move around a little bit more. So
2: that's so good. Thank. That's so good. In black families, we don't talk about ailment. Did this run in your family at all? Did you kind of have to dig and see?
3: I did. This type of cancer didn't run in my family, even though I've had my grandmother had breast cancer and so did uh, my aunts have breast cancer um, and they both survived. But I didn't I didn't have anyone in my family um, that has squamous cell carcinoma and have uh, nasal cancer. I couldn't find anyone until I started to be a part of some of these support groups, you know, and then reach out to some other people online. So that was very important because I was dealing with totally different symptoms than, say, my grandmother or aunt would when it came to type of cancer.
2: Okay, because I was wondering, did this make you and your family have conversations about what's in our bloodline? You, you know, you ever go to the doctor and you got to fill out all this paperwork and does this run in the family? Does this run in the family? But we sweep so much under the rug and maybe we feel like if you talk about it, you give power to it no. or you acknowledge something that you don't want to be there. But I'm just wondering for our health. We should be talking about things. Oh, yes.
3: I talked about it. Matter of fact, the Mayo Clinic, they're so great. They allow my family to be tested while I was getting treatment for any other type of cancer free of charge. So I was grateful for that. And I told all my family, you know, all you have to do is give them my name and you're able to get tested. So, of course, I brung it up. You know, I let my family know, hey, this is this can't be a taboo subject. You know, I know people have experienced cancer in our family, but we have to talk about it and we have to really put it to the forefront and do everything that we can to prevent it. And then if it comes, know what to do and how to handle it if it does come. Mm, Okay.
2: Wow. Pasha, thank you so much for checking in. You're welcome. You're welcome. This week, this week, where can we find you? Your website, Facebook, IG?
3: My books, Through the Scars, Rising from Cancer, and Living in Remission, A Survivor Story. They're available on Amazon You can Mm -hmm. just type the title in or you can type my name, Pasha, P-A-S-H-A, and then my last name, Chaney, C-H-A-N-E-Y. I'm also on Instagram. You can follow me at Pasha, P-A-S-H-A, the number four, and then B-E-D-R-O-C, Pasha for Bedrock. Same thing for Facebook, Twitter, and everything else. So I-
2: Come on, yes. Oh, last question. Yes. New music.
3: Yes, I just dropped a single not too long ago called Loyalty. It's a really urban type street record, but I do all types of hip hop interpretation uh, music. So I'm just excited to be back to doing what I love. And I want to say to people, if you have a talent, Use it. Use whatever God gave you to reach people, regardless of what your story is. You know, I didn't plan on becoming an author. I didn't plan on becoming a two time author, but it has been a blessing. And I've been able to touch people all over the world and talk about my book. And I'm so thankful for you allowing me to be on your podcast and check in with you. And thank you to the producers and the staff. This has really been a blessing.
2: Pasha, you come back thank anytime. You. Thank you. Anytime. Even if it's just to do a check in, be like, hey y'all, this is what's going on. This is an update. Whatever. You're welcome. You are cemented in thank the checking you. in
3: family, Pasha. Okay. Thank you. thank you so much. All and thank right. you to all your listeners. Thank you. Wow,
2: wow, wow, wow. You just never know what people deal with and What they go through. Not only that, how we can possibly take certain things for granted. Now I don't want y'all feeling like you gotta Google every symptom. If you got a hangnail, that doesn't mean it's cancer, but it almost makes you want to make sure that if there's something that's been lingering on a little too long, maybe more than what is probably typical for certain symptoms, nothing is wrong with getting it checked out. And y'all listen. We get to go into these hospitals and clinics and ask questions as it relates to your body, especially if our body is a temple, right? And if there's something going on in my temple and I am required to care for my temple, then we got to make sure that we can ask questions for the maintenance of our temple because it could save your life. Again, I'm very thankful for Pasha for checking in with us today. She's just so sweet. Her spirit is just so, so sweet. And I'm just going to keep her in my prayers as I keep all of y'all in my prayers. It's something about my Checking In podcast family. Y'all are absolutely amazing. And I got to give a shout out to everybody in the Black Effect podcast network, to every podcaster. And to everybody listening, we cannot do this without you. And so I'm thankful for every time you download or tell a friend. Y'all are so funny. Um, I get some DMs and y'all are like, hey. I sent this episode to a friend of mine and y'all be dropping hints to people by sending a certain episode. So I'm very, very, very thankful for y'all. I can't stress it enough. You will always know that I'm thankful for you. Not only that, know that you are loved. I love you so much. And really, I mean, I don't know what you're going to do about me loving you. You can't do anything about it. So thank y'all for loving me and supporting me throughout the years. All right. We'll take care. See you again next week. Checking in with Michelle Williams is a production of iHeartRadio and The Black Effect. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
4: Black Tech Green Money isn't just about telling the stories of successful Black entrepreneurs. It's also about giving actionable and wealth-building strategies that help you protect the future of our communities. That's why we're pleased to be supported by State Farm Insurance. State Farm also believes that we must invest in our communities to achieve economic growth by sponsoring programs like the AXO, which rewards high school students for their academic achievements. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these
0: great spots? Being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque.